everybody back. I hope you're doing good tonight. I hope everything is going good for you and you've had a good week. Tonight we're going to be back in the book of Judges. We're going to look at Judges chapter 16. We're continuing on in the story of Samson, and so we're going to read the first 20 verses. We've been doing a chapter a week for the last three weeks, but we're going to slow it down a little bit and split this last section of Samson's life into two different sections. And so we're going to do the first 20 verses of Judges tonight. Uh, and then we will uh, conclude it next week, Lord willing. I did want to remind everybody, though, uh, if you want to catch more of these uh, video sermons, you can catch another one Sunday. Sunday morning, we're going to be continuing on in the Psalms, Lord willing. Uh, we're going to just pick up right where we left off last week. We're also going to be adding a worship element to the service. So we're going to be adding some music. I want you to tune in for that. We may even have some guest musicians over the next few weeks. And so uh, please join us as we continue to praise the Lord, even though we can't meet because of this virus. Uh, I do encourage you to stay, stay, uh, stay in God's Word if you can. Even if you don't check us out, there's lots of other pastors, lots of other uh, churches online that are doing things. So there's lots of ways that you can get plugged in. And uh, if you stick with us, we, we're glad to have you and hope that you're growing in God's Word. And uh, we're always here for you. If you ever need anything, uh, don't hesitate to send me a message. Send me an email, shanvn at me.com, and I'll be glad to do whatever I can to help you. Uh, maybe it's just you need prayer. Uh, maybe it's something you got going on. You just need somebody to talk to. Uh, maybe it's a question about something we've studied or something else you're studying in the Bible that maybe has you scratching your head a little bit. Uh, anything you got going on that maybe you need somebody to talk to, uh, I'll be glad to talk to you uh, if you ever need me. With that said... Now let's get started. We're going to jump into Judges 16. We're going to do the first 20 verses. Instead of reading through the whole thing like we've been doing, we're going to break this down into a few different sections. It may be a little easier for us to kind of uh, study it that way if we break it down into some bite-sized chunks. So what we'll do is I'll pray, and as soon as I get through praying, uh, we'll go right into the word, Judges 16, verse 1. So let's pray, and then we'll get started. God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for your word. I pray that we would grow from it. I pray that we would learn from Samson, dear Lord, as we see the things that go on in his life. God, let us apply them to our life. God, there are areas in our life where we probably need to straighten up. There may be some things that you're trying to get our attention on. Maybe not, dear Lord. Maybe some who are watching this are doing good, and I pray that you help them to continue to do good. Maybe there are others who who are in danger, dear Lord, that there's that sin that's, that's always kind of crouching to get us, and I pray that we would overcome that sin through Jesus Christ, and I pray that we would just learn something from your word tonight. So I pray that you would open our hearts and minds, help me to be able to preach and teach in a way that's going to bring glory to you, take away any nerves I have and worries I may have, and just hide me behind the cross, and let me be faithful to preach and teach your word. And I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Now, just a brief recap before we really get started and dig into the text uh, we've been studying Samson, and Samson was a man who was set aside by his parents for God. He, he was set aside as a Nazarite. Now, that was just something that God allowed for for the Israelite people, and there were certain things that if you were going to take the Nazarite vow, you couldn't do these things. You couldn't drink wine, uh, you couldn't touch a dead body, and you couldn't cut your hair. Now, Samson was set aside from birth by his parents uh, to be a Nazarite, to be a, to be a godly man. But what we see throughout Samson's story is that he really doesn't appear to be a very godly man. He kind of uh, appears to be a hot-tempered man uh, that doesn't really take too seriously his Nazarite vow. Uh, but even still, God is going to use his strength and his, and his, and his hot temper uh, to deliver the Israelites from the uh, Philistines. Now, the Philistines are the enemy of the Israelites at this point in time. They've had lots of enemies throughout Judges, and God always sends a judge to deliver them. 
And Saul is the next in the line of judges uh, that we see. And so uh, we've seen a few things go on in the last few chapters where, where uh, Samson and the Philistines have, have got a lot of tension uh, amongst between each other because of some things that have gone on. We won't recap those things tonight, but you can find them online if you want to see the past weeks. And so this tension is built. Uh, the Philistines don't like Samson. Samson does not like the Philistines. And that's led us to this conclusion, concluding chapter of the story of Samson. And so uh, we're going to take the first part of that chapter here tonight. Judges 16, verse 1. Samson went to Gaza, where he saw a prostitute and went to bed with her. When the Gazites heard that Samson was there, they surrounded the place and waited in ambush for him all that night at the city gate. While they were waiting quietly, they said, Let us wait until dawn, then we will kill him. But Samson stayed in bed until midnight. When he got up, took hold of the doors of the city gate, along with two uh, gateposts, and pulled them out, bar and all. He put them on his shoulders and took them to the top of the mountain overlooking Hebron. Now, I don't know that we have anything super critical in this, in this first part that we looked at, any critical information to the story, other than the fact maybe that we are reminded of Samson's strength. And we're also reminded that Samson has some enemies. Now, it says here that all this took place in Gaza. Now, most of the things in this story of Samson have all taken place in the same area. Uh, along the Mediterranean Sea, uh, there was the, the, the land that was allotted to the tribe of Dan, which is where Samson was from. He was from the tribe of Dan. And so he lived right there in that area. But then a little lower, as it wrapped around the Mediterranean Sea, uh, there was the land of the Philistines, and that's where Gaza is. And so all of the things we've seen take place so far in this story have all been in that same region. They hadn't been uh, spread out very far. And so Samson is here with this prostitute, another mark against Samson to show us that he wasn't terribly concerned with being a, a godly man and being a righteous man. Uh, he's doing things that he shouldn't have been doing, and that's really been the case all throughout the whole story of Samson. And here these men of Gaza are, are, are waiting for him. They're trying to set an ambush on him, and so they're going to wait at the city gate till the next morning so that they can kill him. Well, Samson gets up at midnight, and he goes to the city gate, and he rips the city gate up. He rips the post and all up, and he carries them up this mountain. Now, at the very least, we are reminded of two things. One, Samson has a lot of enemies, and two, Samson has a lot of strength. And that explains one reason why people didn't like him, because as we've seen in the couple of chapters uh, previous, uh, Samson used that strength against the Philistines, and so that's part of that tension that's been building. And so the people didn't like Samson, and they knew that it was not going to be easy to overtake Samson. You may remember last week, uh, if you paid attention then, that there were 3,000 Israelites that had approached Samson uh, to try to get him to, uh, so they could uh, capture him and take him to the Philistines because of what they had done to him, and they didn't want the Philistines mad at them. So all these Israelites gathered around Samson, and Samson went uh, willingly. Now, it could have been that they took 3,000 for that same reason, because they knew of Samson's strength. We are reminded of that all throughout the story of Samson. From the very beginning, uh, when we see early on in his adult life that he uh, was able to kill this lion that attacked him on the road and rip it limb from limb, he killed uh, 30 Philistines. Then, and we saw last week in the text that he, that he killed uh, 1,000 Philistines with the jaw, uh, jawbone of a donkey. And so we have seen every, every chapter, it seems like, that we've looked at Samson, a reminder of his strength. Now, his strength 
came from the Lord. There's no question where his strength came from. We've even seen that in the text where it says sometimes that the Spirit of the Lord came on Samson. And it was when the Spirit of the Lord came on Samson that he was empowered to do the things he did. Now, we saw at the beginning of the story of Samson that Samson, or excuse me, that God was going to use this, this feud between Samson and the Philistines as an opportunity to deliver his people. And so that's exactly what God's going to do. The strength that Samson has, it comes from the Lord. And God is going to use Samson uh, to overtake these Philistines. And we begin to see this story unfold a little further here. And at the beginning of this passage we're looking at tonight, we are reminded that Samson has enemies and we're reminded that Samson is a very strong guy. And then that part of the story just kind of stops there. We don't really have any other detail or anything else we could really take from that, I don't think. So let's move on to the next section. Uh, we'll start in verse 4 and we'll read through verse 5. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the Soric Valley. The Philistine leaders went to her and said, Persuade him to tell you where his great strength comes from so we can overpower him, tie him up, and make him helpless. Each of us will then give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So here we see what appears to be a weakness of Samson uh, in this chapter and in the chapters past. Now, this whole thing started because Samson fell in love with a Philistine woman that he had no business falling in love with because he was an Israelite. And so we see that his love of women uh, has already gotten him in trouble uh, at the very beginning of his adult life, and now we see that he has gotten in more trouble. The last passage we just read, well, he was with a prostitute, and while he was there, people were gathered uh, trying to kill him. Now here in these next couple of verses, here we see another woman come into the picture, Delilah. Now, we may be familiar with her name if you've studied the scripture any, or maybe if you hadn't studied scripture very much at all, you still may have heard the name Samson and Delilah. That's a, a, a pretty popular story, uh, and it's one that maybe you've heard, and if not, you're going to get to hear it tonight and next week. So Delilah comes into Samson's life, and, and uh, the people of the Philistines see this as an opportunity uh, for them to overtake Samson. Now, they know Samson is strong, and the Samson's already caused them a lot of trouble. And so they said, look, we've got to figure out how he is so strong. Where does he get this strength from? And so they used what appears to be a weakness of Samson, and that is a woman. And so they used this woman, Delilah, and they say, if you'll figure out where his strength comes from, each one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Now, I don't know how many people that there were there, these leaders of the Philistines, or, or these people that were talking to her, who were going to give her silver. It may have just been a couple. It may have been a bunch. But if they were each going to give her 1,100 pieces of silver, well, that would be a pretty good bit of money. Uh, probably thousands upon thousands of dollars in today's dollars. Now, I've tried to look up and see. I don't know exactly uh, what the exchange rate would be and what silver would have been worth then as compared to now. Uh, some would say a, a piece of silver then would have gone for $10. Some say as much as $20 in, in current uh, rates. So I don't know, but it was a lot of money. Ever how you figure it up, uh, it was a lot of money that this woman was being offered. And so this goes to show you just how desperate the Philistines were to get rid of Samson. They were willing to pay whatever it took. They needed to know where his strength come from so that they could overtake him. And so they enlist Delilah to help figure out where his strength comes from. Let's see what happens moving forward. We'll read verses 6 through 9. 
So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me, where does your great strength come from? How could someone tie you up and make you helpless? Samson told her, if they tie me up with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I will become weak and be like any other man. The Philistine's leaders, Philistine leaders brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him up with them. While the men in ambush were waiting in her room, she called out to him, Samson, the Philistines are here. But he snapped the bowstrings as a strand of yarn snaps when it touches fire. The secret of his strength remained unknown. So here we see this first attempt that Delilah makes to, to really trip Samson up. Now, it seems like Samson is either a really stupid man or he's just, just foolish or proud maybe. I don't know. Uh, but it seems like he would have he would have maybe uh, caught what she was saying here at the very beginning of this passage when she says, what is it going to take for somebody to make you helpless? Now, maybe he just thought, well, she really loved him and she's just curious and wants to know. Uh, but even still, at least he was smart enough to not tell her the truth. Now, she was prying and asking this question, and maybe that should have been a red flag for him. And maybe it was. Maybe that's why he tells her here and continues to tell her, uh, wrong ways for him to lose his strength, ways that won't work. But in this instance, he says, oh, if you take seven fresh bowstrings that haven't been dried, if I'm tied with those, then I'll lose my strength. I'll be weak. I'll be like any other man. And so she proceeds to tie him up. And then she goes to her room and she calls and she says, oh, Samson, please come quick. The Philistines are here. So when he awakes, what does he do? Well, he rips the bowstrings up. No problem there. And so obviously he was lying. That didn't work. That didn't uh, drain him of his strength. It says in the text that he pulled the bowstrings apart like a, like a yarn over a flame. Now, a yarn's not terribly strong, and especially if you were to take a strand of yarn and hold it over, over a flame and begin to pull it, uh, it would burn and it would snap just that quick. And so here again, as we've been throughout the whole story of Samson, uh, we are made aware of his strength. Uh, he had to be pretty strong to break those bowstrings. It would have taken some strength. And so he lied to her. And, and you would have thought that at this point, Samson would have realized, ah, what she asked is what she did. And what she did was tie me to the uh, bed or whatever she tied him to, uh, to try to get him uh, to lose his strength. Now, you would think that the flag would go up and he would say, she's out to get me. I, I need to be careful from this woman. I need to leave this woman alone. But Samson was not quite uh, either, either, uh, either that smart or maybe he just didn't really care. Maybe he didn't have enough fear. Maybe he didn't think that there was anything she could do to hurt him. I'm not sure what was going through his mind, uh, but he continued to go through this cycle that we see uh, in the next few verses. Let's read a little further in verse 10, verses 10 through uh, 12. Then Delilah said to Samson, you have mocked me and told me lies. Won't you please tell me how you can be tied up? He told her, If they tie me up with new ropes that have never been used, I will become weak and be like any other man. Delilah took new ropes, tied him up with them, and shouted, Samson, the Philistines are here. But while the men in ambush were waiting in her room, he snapped the ropes off of his arms like a thread. Now, this is almost a repeat of what we just read. The same situation occurs. She asks him, all right, Samson, how can you be tied up? What does he do instead of saying, hey, wait, you done fooled me once with this. I'm not, I'm not falling for this again. Instead, he continues to kind of entertain this, these questions that she's asking. He continues to give her a question. 
instead of dealing with it and saying, look, I'm getting out of here. I'm not having anything to do with this woman. He stuck around and continued to kind of give in and go along with whatever was going on. So this time, he tells her a different lie. He says, well, if you tie me up with fresh new ropes, that's going to that's gonna keep me from having strength and, and, and being able to break free. So she does just that. She calls out to him again, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are here. What does he do? He rips the rope open, uh, ropes, uh, uh, broke, he breaks them just as he did uh, with the bowstrings, and he escapes and no problem. He can't be tied up. So this is twice this has happened now, and let's see what's happened, what happens going forward. Verses 13 through 15. Then Delilah said to Samson, you have mocked me all along and told me lies. Tell me how you can be tied up. He told her, If you weave the seven braids on my head with the web of a loom. She fashioned the braids with a pen and called to him. Samson the Philistines are here. He woke from his sleep and pulled out the pen with the loom and the web. How can you say I love you, she told him, when your heart is not with me? This is the third time you had mocked me and not told me what makes your strength so great. Here we see the same type of situation again. He tells her another lie, something that needs to be done with his, with his hair, how way it needs to be tied up with a loom and a pen, and she does just that and goes through the same process. Samson, the Philistines are here. He wakes up. He still has a strength. He's still able to break free. There's nothing that has changed. Now, this is three times that she's inquired of in this question. What does it take for me to tie you up where you can't get out? Now, he, as I mentioned, was either really stupid or maybe he was just proud. Perhaps that's the problem too. Maybe he just thought, I'm so strong, I'm so tough. There's nothing that can stop me. Uh, but uh, we're going to find out here in the next passage that that's not the case. Now, he's had plenty of opportunity to escape from this woman. He's had plenty of opportunity to say, hold up, this isn't right. I, I, I better get out of this situation but instead, he keeps on going along with whatever's going on with Delilah and what she's trying to do. And instead of getting out, instead of trying to, uh, to free himself from, from all of these things that she's trying to do to him, instead, he keeps on giving in to him. Now, let's see what happens this fourth time in verse 16. Verses 16 through 18. Because she nagged him day after day and pleaded with him until she wore him out, he told her the whole truth and said to her, My hair has never been cut because I am a Nazarite to God from birth. If I am shaved, my strength will leave me and I will become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah realized that he had told her the whole truth, she sent this message to the Philistine leaders. Come one more time, for he has told me the whole truth. The Philistines leader came, Philistine leaders came to her and brought the money with them. Now this time... Samson does tell the truth. He tells the truth that he is a Nazarite. He tells the truth that part of that Nazarite vow is to not have his hair cut. Now, uh, we see that Samson doesn't appear to have kept the Nazarite vow. Uh, with all the people he's killed, he touched a dead lion, he's touched a dead body, which was part of the Nazarite vow that you were not supposed to do. Uh, but he has, for whatever reason, kept this part of the vow about letting his hair grow out. And so he tells her, look, if you cut my hair, that's, that's what's going to happen. Uh, he says in, in uh, verse 17, my hair has never been cut because I'm a Nazarite to God. Uh, if I am shaved, I will become like any other man. Now, 
what we've seen throughout the story of Samson is that his strength came from the Lord. Now, his strength may have been in some way tied to his hair, or, or maybe it wasn't. Maybe no matter what he did, no matter how bad it was, as long as he kept his hair, he would have kept his strength. That's a possibility. It's not unreasonable. But I also think it's not unreasonable to say that, well, his strength really was not in his hair. His strength really did come from the Lord. But by saying, look, I don't care that I'm a Nazarite. I don't care about my hair. What caused him to lose his strength may not have been necessarily the loss of his hair, but the loss of his, of his taking God serious, of his, of his being righteous, of his saying, okay, I'm going to be a godly man. It seems as though to me that throughout all of Samson's life that he's made it clear that he cares really nothing about doing what God has commanded him to do. He cares nothing about being righteous. He cares nothing about living up to his Nazarite vow. And uh, if he's already broken the rest of it and the hair is all that remains, well, here he's pretty much saying, all right, I don't really care what, what kind of vow. I don't care if I'm set aside for God. I don't care if I'm supposed to be doing what God says or not. I don't care. And he's, he, he doesn't care uh, so much that he even tells this woman who is clearly out to get him, hey, look, here's what happens. If you cut my hair, I'll lose my strength. Now, as I said, it may have been, and maybe uh, rightfully so, that it was his hair that gave him his strength. And it, no matter what he had done, if he would have kept his hair, he would have kept his strength. But it may be that the Lord was a strength, and by saying, look, cut my hair, that he was saying, look, I'm pretty much... I'm pretty much done. I'm, I don't care enough about the Lord to try to do what is right. And so I'm just going to give in to whatever. Now, he had had ample opportunity to do right by the Lord, but it seems like time after time in Samson's life, he has continued to do wrong. Uh, and so what we're going to see now, because Samson has refused to really trust in the Lord and live a godly life, uh, because he's chose to live on the strength that he has, which comes from the Lord, because he is not taking any caution to these events that, has gone, that have gone on with Delilah. I mean, this is the fourth time this has happened. Surely after three times, uh, he would have realized, this is not a good thing. I don't need to be involved in this. I need to get away from this. But he didn't. He kept on with it, and now we're going to see the consequences of him finally revealing, hey, my strength comes from the Lord. My strength comes from the Nazarite vow and me uh, having this hair that I have. And if my hair is cut, I'll lose my strength. So let's see what happens in the next verse, verses 19 and 20. Then she let him fall asleep on her lap and called a man to shave off the seven braids of his head. In this way, she made him helpless and his strength left him. Then she cried, Samson, the Philistines are here. When he awoke from his sleep, he said, I will escape as I did before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Here we see that the Philistines finally are able to accomplish what they wanted. Delilah is able to get Samson's haircut, and as a result of that, his strength is gone. And this time when she calls out to him and hollers for him, there is no deliverance. His strength is gone. The Lord, it says, had left him. Now, before in the text, when Samson had great strength, it was because the Lord had come upon him. Now he's lost his great strength, and it is because the Lord has left him. Now, it could be because he just had complete disregard for the Lord. It could be because he got his hair cut. It could be because of both. He got his hair cut and he had complete disregard of the Lord. And as a result of that, after time and time and time that he could get out of that situation, he refused to. 
and it'll end up costing it. Now, we'll talk more about that last week, but what can we talk about and take from the passage this week? Well, we may look at Samson and we say, boy, he was so stupid. Did, why didn't he learn? Why didn't he realize that, that that was not a good thing, that she kept asking him these things and, and he kept kind of dabbling with her and playing with her and go along with her? Why didn't he just realize, this is dangerous, let me get out of here, this woman is out to get me? Well, we may be quick to say that about Samson's life, but what we may need to first do uh, is look at our own life because we may be guilty of the same thing. Now, there's probably not somebody coming up to you asking you, oh, where's your strength come from? What do I have to do to make you weak? But that's exactly what sin does in our life. See, we have those temptations and that sin that always comes against us. And that sin that, that we struggle with, now whatever it is, yours and mine are different. Everybody's got different struggles and sins and temptations. But you have that one that you're continually struggling with. That thing that, that maybe deep down you know you shouldn't be doing. That thing you know you probably should get rid of. You probably should stop. But how many times do you go back to it? Ah, oh, it's not going to hurt for me to do this little bit. Ah, oh, it's not going to hurt for me to do this one more time. Oh, that's not going to hurt me. Now, it may be that you might have been like Samson may have been. Maybe he was just stupid. And maybe sometimes we are just stupid. Maybe we don't quite realize the effects that our sin can have. We don't realize how great they can affect us and other people. It may be that we are stupid sometimes, but we don't need to be. And if we're reading God's word, we should not have any excuse for saying, hey, we don't realize how bad sin is. Could be that we're just too stupid to realize what's going on. Perhaps Samson's problem wasn't that. Maybe he was just proud. Maybe he just thought, oh, I've, I'm going to get out of this like I did before, as the text said. And he just thought he could do anything and there was nothing that could stop him. Maybe he was just a proud man. And perhaps the same is true for you and I. Maybe there are things in your life that are not good and you just are so proud and you think, oh, that could never hurt me. That could never happen to me. That could never affect me. And we see other people succumb to maybe the same sin. And we see other people that have problems and things go on and this goes on and that goes on and all this stuff that we see in other people's lives. But sometimes we're so proud that we say, oh, that could never happen to me. Now, Samson should have had a little fear here. It would have been good for him if he would have had a little fear. If he would have said, whoa, wait a minute now, Delilah's trying to, trying to harm me. She's trying to tie me up. If she ties me up and these men come in and get me, that could be a bad thing. It would have been healthy if Samson would have had a little fear there. But oftentimes when we're proud, we don't have any fear because we think, who's going to stop me? Who's going to hurt me? Nothing's going to happen to me. And sometimes a lack of fear gets us into a lot of trouble. But the scripture says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we need to fear the Lord first, but having a fear of things that we encounter in our life is also a healthy thing too. Now we shouldn't live in fear, but having a little bit of fear will keep us from doing a lot of things that may cause us a lot of harm. And we need to see things in this world that are sinful, things that are not healthy, things that are bad for us physically, uh, mentally, and we need to say, okay, boy, if I give in to this thing, it could really affect me in a negative way. It could really cause problems for me and my life and for people I love. And having a little bit of fear of these things that we see may lead us to, to, to go grow closer to the Lord. And that's what the Lord wants, is to draw closer to Him and to realize how serious our sin and our situations are. And Samson failed to realize that. He continued to make the same mistake over and over and over. After having plenty of opportunity to be free from that and to flee from that 
Instead, he continued to give in to it, and eventually he was overcome by it. Now, we need to learn from Samson here so that we don't make the same mistake. Because chances are, if you're like me, there's these same temptations and trials and sins that may always seem to kind of creep back in. You overcome them for a while, you seek the Lord, he gives you the strength, but then over a while, sometimes we kind of creep back into our old ways. Uh, sometimes the devil catches us on a weak day when we're not very strong, when we've got a lot on us, and maybe we give in to that sin, and that starts the whole process over and over again. Now, we need to be careful that we don't give in to those things. Uh, we need to be careful that we resist the devil, because the scripture says if we resist the devil, he will free, flee from us. Now, we know that he's always out to get us. We know that there's going to always be those temptations. We're not going to escape those things. But we need to know that we don't have to give in to those things. Uh, in the story of Cain and Abel, Cain was upset with his brother because God had chose Abel's sacrifice over his. And those things were going through his mind. There was already things there that shouldn't have been there because God calls Cain out and he says, look, Sin is crouching at the door, and it, and it desires to overtake you, but you must overcome it. Now, the same is true for you and I. There's always those sins that are going to keep coming, and they seek to overtake us. Their desire is to overtake us, but we must overcome them. Now, we cannot do that on our own strength, but we can do it with the strength of the Lord. Now, we can do it because Jesus Christ is victorious. Now, Jesus gives us the victory because he has overcome sin. He lived a perfect life. He never sinned. And so when he died on that cross, he lived a life where he had conquered sin. He was victorious. He had managed to make it through his whole life and never sinned. Now, after that, three days later, Jesus rose from the grave. He was able to defeat death. Now, Jesus has conquered sin. He's defeated sin. He's defeated death. And Jesus says, look, you can be victorious in me. You can be an overcomer through me. Jesus says, trust me, follow me, listen to me, follow me, uh, and, and all that I tell you to do and my, and my commands to you. And look, you can have strength too to overcome these things that you're going through. And these things keep coming. You experience them, I experience them. We always have these things that are trying to overtake us. Well, we, I call them things, uh, maybe I'm making it too nice. Let's call it sin because that's what it actually is. We all have sin that is trying to overtake us. Now, even Jesus himself at the beginning of his ministry, he was getting ready to do the Lord's work. And what happened? Well, if you read in Matthew chapter 4, the devil approached uh, Jesus and tried in every way he could to try to get him to sin. He offered him power. He offered him all this stuff. And he said, look, just, just, just do what you want to do. You're God. You can, uh, why are you sitting out here fasting? Why are you, you, you could turn, tell these stones, turn into bread and they would turn into bread. Uh, and Jesus refutes the devil in every way that the devil comes at him trying to get him to sin uh, by scripture. He uses God's word, Jesus does, to refute the devil. And that's a good place for us to start because as we're under attack and as we're tempted to sin, we don't want to fall into the same trap as Samson because time after time after time, the light bulb should have went off and he should have said, hey, this isn't good for me. This could cause harm in my life. We don't want to follow that same pattern that Samson did. We don't want to fall into the same trap that Samson fell into. And so, at the very least, we need to take these words as a warning so we don't do that with whatever choices we have to make in the future when those sinful temptations come. 
Some of you may be watching this and you may be saying, boy, I'm right there right now. You may be in a spot where you're just like Samson, where you're in a lot of trouble. Trouble that maybe you've got yourself into because you made some pretty bonehead decisions. Maybe you're looking at this story of Samson and you're saying, boy, I get it. Because there was something I should have stopped. There was something I should have turned from. There was something I should have quit doing and I didn't do it. Well, you can't change the past and you can't change that you didn't do it. But you can stop doing whatever you're doing. You can repent of whatever you're doing. That's what God calls all of us to do, is to come to Jesus Christ and say, okay, Jesus, you are victorious over sin. You've conquered sin. You've conquered the grave. And Jesus, I'm struggling with it. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And if we don't repent and put our trust in Jesus Christ, then we are doomed to die. But if we do put our trust in Jesus Christ, well, we'll lose our life in this world, but we're going to live eternally. We're going to live uh, with him for all eternity. And so we need to learn from the story of Samson here. And we need to decide, okay, am I going to continue to go down the path of sin that's going to lead to death? Or am I going to realize, hey, I've got to wise up. This is stupid. These things that I'm doing, these things are causing me pain and they're causing burden in my life, maybe even the lives of people around me. And whatever it is that you're going through that you're struggling with, you don't have to continue to lose to it. That sin doesn't have to keep beating you. You can beat that sin. You can overcome that sin through Jesus Christ. But you have a choice to make. You have to look at your own life and you have to look at these scriptures. As a good, they're a good place to start and say, okay, Am I making the same mistake that Samson did? Am I, am I saying, well, I don't really care what God's telling me to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm just going to live my life and do the things I want to do and be wild and crazy, and that's that. Well, that's the point that Samson had gotten to. He had given in to women. He had given in to his anger. He didn't care enough about the Lord's commands to uh, trust him. He completely kind of threw those things off. And then what was he left with? Well, he was left with nothing. The Lord was with him for all this time, and then eventually the Lord left him. Samson had completely uh, really given up on the Lord, it would appear like, and didn't have any desire to follow him, and Samson was in a trouble. He was in a bad place. And sometimes we find ourselves in bad places. But praise the Lord that Jesus Christ will lift us out of a bad place. Praise the Lord that Jesus Christ will give us forgiveness of our sins. Praise the Lord that when we lose our strength, he will strengthen us. That's what happened to Samson. He lost his strength because the Lord left him. Now, you may be weak right now in your situation. You may be weak in your sin, but I want to tell you there's strength in Jesus Christ. He will restore you, and he's the only one who can restore you, and he's the only one that, he, that can give you strength. I want to encourage you tonight, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, that you would do so that you'd quit giving in to the sins that seem like they just keep taking you over and say, enough's enough. And say, Lord Jesus, I want to get through this. I want to escape this. I want to overcome this. Lord Jesus, I'm tired of being proud and trying to do it on my own. But Jesus, I trust you. I'm not going to write you off anymore, Lord. I'm not going to disregard your word. But God, I'm going to seek your word. I'm going to seek your son. And Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And I put my faith in you. And I'm not going to do it my way anymore, but I'm going to do it your way. And the way of Jesus is the cross. And if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you need to come to the cross tonight and you need to put your faith in Jesus and you need to trust him and you need to repent of your old ways and say, God, no more will I do what I'm doing, but now I'm going to follow you instead of following me. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight and I thank you for these good words. 
And I pray that you would help us not to be so foolish and proud as Samson may have been, dear Lord. Whatever caused him to do the things he did, well, don't let us fall into that trap. Let us see things that could, that could make us stumble and fall, and let us overcome those things through your power. I pray, God, that you give us strength in all that we do. I pray that that strength would come from you and that we continually seek you for that. And God, if there's one that's, that's watching this that's never trusted Jesus, I pray that they would do it right now. God, if there are some in here, they are yours, and maybe they find themselves that they've fallen into that trap that Samson did, and they keep uh, doing things they shouldn't do, and tonight they realize, i got to stop. I, it's got to stop right now, dear Lord. I pray that we would all realize that if there's sin in our life, and that we would repent of that, and that we would trust you with all of our heart. And I thank you that we can study your word, and I pray that you let the Holy Spirit use what we read tonight in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.